Building a business ain't easy. It takes hard work, dedication, and strength. This is Success Failed with Philip Long. Must know tips for executives going through the trials and tribulations of growing their own business. Now, here's your host, Philip Long. All right, welcome to another episode of Success Failed with Philip Long. I'm excited about this program because I'm going to do something that I probably should have done on my first podcast. I want to interview myself. I want to just really share some of the challenges that uh, life has given me and some of the things that I've learned from those challenges. I think it could be encouraging for business owners out there. For the thought of the month, I want to talk about surrounding yourself with people that you can really trust and, you know, trying to dig deep on a couple of key relationships and having that reciprocal respect or understanding and what that can do for you. And then for the breach, I want to talk about the Cardiology Associates breach that uh, was released uh Uh, Back in February the 3rd, I believe, they released the information about 440-something thousand records lost and really the charges that they face in this class action lawsuit. So get ready. Let's do this. Cyber attack analysis. Let's break it down. I want to talk about this breach that happened at Cardiovascular Associates out of uh, Birmingham, Alabama. This happened um, in the month of December 2022, and ultimately 442,000 patient records were compromised. And in that data that was stolen, ultimately it is absolutely the the crown jewels of data. It has everything. Names, addresses, social security numbers, date of birth, passports, driver's license, health insurance information, medical record numbers, dates of service, provider and facility names, other visit uh, procedure and diagnosis information, credit and debit card information, financial account information, billing and claims information, billing and diagnostic codes, payer information, and possibly assessment, test, and imaging. It is something that is just really, I mean, they got it all. And this happened from November the 28th, uh, and the date was discovered on December the 5th. So ultimately, there was um, you know, a period there, I guess, of about a week, a little more than a week, maybe two weeks, that, um, that the bad guys were in there just stealing and, uh, and, and uh, taking all of this information. And the, they actually notified, cardiovascular associates uh, notified on February the 3rd. Well, the part about this breach that is concerning to me and um, – that is not only, of course, just the sheer amount of data, the value, the quality of that data, and really the implications that could come from, you know, even good good companies using that information, you know, knowing diagnostic codes and, you know, rating life insurance or, you know, just all kinds of things that could come with people knowing, you know, your, you know, even people hiring, you know, knowing certain things about people is just extremely dangerous, much less, of course, just the exploitation that the bad guys are going to do with all of that data to all kinds of people. 
And the part that makes this uh, interesting is that this is indeed a civil class action lawsuit that is being formed by an attorney group. And I said this quite a while back that, you know, once attorneys recognize uh, the amount of money to be made on these uh, data breaches, it's going to be Katie bar the door. And we're already seeing that breach costs are going up and up and up. So I'd advise you guys to for sure get a good cyber liability policy that can cover this. I don't know how a cyber liability policy will cover this particular uh, breach because I've never seen one for the, the charges this thing is going to run into. Um, one of the things, too, is um, that this particular data breach is um, is very unique in the fact that they are presenting things in here uh, that where ultimately cardiology associates, there's 10 different claims that have been made in this class action lawsuit, and the this, I'll just read an excerpt here. The case argues that the cyber attack was a result of the defendant, cardiology associates, failure to employ reasonable cybersecurity practice and to safeguard patient and employees' private data per complainant. CVA, cardiovascular associates, also neglected to adequately monitor the computer network on which the sensitive information was stored. Uh, and then had CVA properly monitored the electronic systems, it would have discovered the intrusion sooner or prevented it altogether. And so what they're basically claiming is that they knew about the, the things, which is going to make it very interesting and, and very damaging, is that they knew that they were not uh, meeting the safeguards that were required by HIPAA and and the like. So it's going to be very interesting. I'm sure they'll try to settle this out of court because uh, if they don't, the fees could be absolutely astronomical. And so one thing that I'd like to just end with is the fact of what, this is what I predicted a long time ago. You know, the cost of breaches have gone up, and that's primarily because, or one of the main reasons behind that is that a lot of people have cyber liability insurance, which is great, which means they're following, um, you know, the processes like they need to in order to, you know, notify 445,000 people, know that those records were were breached, and, you know, following all the protocols that it takes in order to, um, to, you know, to manage that situation. That's the great thing about cyber liability insurance is they, they employ or, or outsource a great team of forensics guys that can, you know, know how the breach happened. Well, one of the things that's going to be discovered during that, what they call discovery, is that they're going to see the safeguards that were in place with the, um, you know, that the basically, in this case, uh, CVA had in place. Well, they'll know if they would meet a reasonable level based on today's standards and based off the compliance regulations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that is going to be something that I see in the future where, you know, People are going to be having a lot of civil lawsuits against companies because they're actually going to know what safeguards were in place prior to the breach. And if you're not meeting your compliance standards, if you're not meeting what's uh, considered uh, like the prudent person principle where in you know today's 
time frame in any industry, uh, would it be prudent for a person to have these safeguards in place? It's going to open the door for a lot more monetary damages. And quite honestly, a lot of them are rightfully so in the fact that there is a lot of blatant neglect. I do HIPAA risk assessments and I see many, many, many clients who simply, they don't do them. I'll talk to them about them. Yeah. And I get it. They're overworked. They're understaffed. There are mergers and acquisitions happening. I know the challenges that are out there, but there's another side of that coin is that when a breach happens, it is going to be devastating for, uh, in this case, um, CBA, they are going to take a major, not only they're taking a reputation hit, but they're going to take a monetary hit that is going to be in the multi-millions of dollars uh, for sure. So hope this is helpful. Get your uh, get a baseline uh, on your security. Do the right things. Follow that compliance. Uh, you know, Find someone that can help you because the it's not a matter of if it's really a matter of when there's going to be some form of security incident and you don't want to be found wanting interview an expert now let me introduce you All right, so I want to really just kind of tell my story a little bit about some of the challenges that I faced. Is you know I've mentioned a lot of times I've really become a lover of you know theology and philosophy because I think that it at uh, such a higher level than what I can think uh, I can lean on these guys that have been around and they've they've really debated things in a very systematic manner and they've uh you know a lot of thought has gone into what these guys have written so i'll i'll start with marcus aurelius uh the challenge is the way and ultimately if we did not have challenges we would be stuck in a place that we wouldn't even like we'd probably all be sitting on the couch you know miserable and so one thing we know is that life is completely uh, full of challenges. It will always be full of challenges because there's so much of life that we don't control. Well, just for me, you know, I'm the youngest of uh, four children and uh, the baby, if you will. And I certainly was an accident. And I was, um, I, I have an older brother that's eight years older. I've got an older sister that's seven years older. I've got another sister that's about five and a half years older, and then I come along. So I often say I'm glad there wasn't a Planned Parenthood uh, available uh, back then, but my mother, I don't think she'd ever do that. And I can say also that uh, I was very likely and uh, my mother's favorite. So that was a very special place for me. And um, I'll always, you know, have a special place in my mother's past, but I always have a special place for her and our relationship. She told me once that, um, you know, she loves all of her kids or you'll, maybe she was telling me about when I started having kids, you know, you'll always love all your kids, but you'll like some of them more. And I think my mother simply liked me more. And I really don't know why, but uh, so that's that. Well, my mother and father separated. I think I don't really have dates in my head, but I can remember my dad packing up me, looking out the window, and he was packing up. I was probably five or six years old. And pretty much my dad was out of uh, all of the kids' lives uh, from that point forward. I mean, we might have saw him, and the shame of it was is that, you know, he lived in Alberta, which is literally, uh, you know, 
10-15 minute ride from any place I lived because I've lived here in Baldwin County all my life so never had a relationship with my father and early on I could tell that that was uh you know that was a painful thing for me early on until really at the end it really gave me a lot of purpose so I rock on, um, you know, went to a great school, Swift School down in uh, Bonsecura. It was almost like a private public school, really a neat place, a neat uh, time to grow up because it was small classes, probably 12 to 15 students, got to really know people, got to know the teachers. You'd set in the same teacher all day long. And uh, you'd walk to the, through other classrooms to go pick up your lunch tray and uh, just really, really, really a neat place, a real safe place, I think, to, to, uh, to grow up. And a uh, quick story, one time I was, um, I was, I believe I was in third grade and my teacher, uh, she was a, a great lady and I tore my pants on the uh, playground while we were out playing and literally she we had a cloak room and she gave me her jacket and I put her jacket on like a long coat and she took my pants I took my pants off gave them to her and she sewed them up and I'm sure that was because she knew my family situation that you know my mother was raising four kids by herself and uh, rather than you know, call her and send me home she actually Actually sewed my pants, and I thought that was uh, you know pretty cool. Uh, looking back on it, for sure. Well, then you know middle school, then high school. In high school, really, I think that um, you know I started to have my own thoughts, my own way. I was extremely bored in high school. Just I did not have a a man. My mother, she worked nights as a what they called a waitress. They call them a server now, and she literally raised four kids uh, serving. Um, at night. So I would be the, the, you know, I was the last one. I can remember many times, uh, you know, something in the crock pot when I got home and I was home a lot because my sister had, uh, you know, either, you know, kind of moved out or she was out, you know, my other, my oldest brother and sister were gone. So a lot of time at home alone and I was fully domesticated, could wash clothes, clean dishes, clean the house, put myself to bed, everything at a, at a pretty early age. But in high school, you know, I really just started to drift, I guess. I was very bored. Um, you know, uh, about the time I turned 16, I, uh, you know, I wanted a car. So uh, I'd been busting tables and stuff, you know, working. I've always had a summer job and, um, you know, doing labor work. And uh, so I'd saved up my money, got a car, and um, yeah, everything really started pretty much, I guess, kind of heading south. Wound up quitting school in the 10th grade uh, to go work on an inland waters boat, what we call a tugboat. And probably one of the best things that ever happened to me because I got around some a particular man that took interest in me and I was a very hard worker and you know we did a lot of physical work with some heavy stuff and I had the you know the uh, the strength and the stamina or whatever I really prided myself in being able to what we call build toe put barges together the, that was a very cool thing and it taught me something in that um, I was able to what I liked about a tugboat is you you had what you had you know to a large degree you had the stuff on board and you had to make it work I mean we would weld we would do all kind of crazy things to make things work and you know pretty much at a very young age uh, you know of course I lied about my age um, 
I was tanking barges, actually pumping oil off barges. And um, I was kind of, I guess, an apprenticeship to some degree. And they're like, okay, you got to go get your tankerman's ticket from the Coast Guard. So, you know, dumb me, I haul ass to New Orleans to go do it. And of course, I'm not 18. And the company finds out. But fortunately, you know, they were, I was a good worker. It was pretty close to 18. And it was, you know, back in the 80s, I guess. And uh, they didn't fire me. I kept working. And uh, they took some risk, and later, you know, right when I turned 18, went and got my tankerman's ticket. And at that time, you really could make a lot of money uh, uh, doing that. Now, the, I think that industry doesn't pay well at all. But back then, you know, I was making a good bit of money. Uh, downside was we worked 30 and 15, 30 days on, 15 days off. And I did that for about three years. Um, and then, of course, some girl I was uh, dating, it, uh, you know, it kind of got over uh, the point of where I thought I could bear that. I came back, really took a, a pretty crappy job at a farm, uh, you know, sod farm, just a, you know, not near the money, if you will. But I wanted to get back. That was available. I had a friend got me on. So started working the, the, uh, that industry for a while. Wound up, uh, you know, starting um, kind of my own little hustle and was doing everything, you know, everything from painting to landscaping, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, really, to a large degree, very much by myself. And what I didn't say earlier is kind of the, the I guess, the big move that uh, that caused me to, to kind of quit school and go out on my own early was the fact that I had a good friend and actually three good friends and we wound up getting a condo at the beach and um it was kind of crazy we're you know we're there and you know all of a sudden we got to be you know pay the bills make it happen and uh of course there was a lot of fun a lot of bad things but a lot of fun that happened a lot of uh, great relationships formed there you know living with three guys um in a two-bedroom condo at the beach so a lot of a lot of wild times a lot of uh you know, things that, uh, you know, you don't want your kids to know about that you did. But it was really in a time of, uh, of, I think, trying to figure it out, you know. And um, so we rock on. Everything goes well. I wound up getting a sales job at a turf farm uh, and really excelled at that and did well. I started a, a, a program where I um, was doing um, – selling actually centipede seed and kind of got that program off the ground. I mean, it was turned into literally a multi-million dollar operation and uh, that uh, didn't work out like I had wanted from a, a uh, kind of felt like I didn't, I didn't get my fair shake on that deal. And so while working there, started with a partner who was the IT guy there. And this is old school. This is back when we were, you know, doing technology, remote servers from, you know, I think they had 11 or 13 farms that they all had tied back into Alberta. And um, I was selling seeds, so I traveled a lot. And I'd go to the dumb end of the of the uh, network, if you will, where the, you know, where the people worked at the outlet or at the farm. And I would work with, you know, what later became my partner in the IT business on IT. And we started doing a little side hustle, you know, fixing computers on the side, going out working for businesses. And it was such a need that literally it just took off. 
and we're moonlighting and you know both of us and uh we wind up getting called in he had a boss i had a boss i'll never forget the day um we're sitting across the desk the our bosses are literally behind a big desk and we're in front of the big desk and they're asking us what we're doing because they know we got a side hustle going and um so we uh we basically, you know, tell them and da-da-da, and they were, you know, I think not really angry, I guess. We both really were in a position because I had started that seed program, and I'd built all those relationships, and he was doing the IT, uh, and it was a very early time. They had literally tried to hire some guys out of South Florida, spent an ass load of money. They couldn't make it work, and, uh, you know, we had it working where all the farms, all the data was central, um, you know, centrally located, and they had access using really old school ISDN lines, like thousand twelve hundred dollars a pop on these lines uh, for just one location. So really slow connection, really pretty cool from a technology standpoint. So anyway, I'm there in the in the meeting, and I'm hearing what's going on. I'd kind of already had a bad deal on the way they were paying me. Kind of. Felt like they reneged on because uh, I'd sold a ton of product. No one had ever done that much, and I was thinking I was going to make over a hundred grand. And they they basically, after the fact, changed the deal. And I distinctly remember that they basically they couldn't pay me that much because they had guys working there for many, many, many years that didn't make near that much. So I was pretty much done, and I just spoke up and said, "Listen, we're going to have to quit this." And they thought it was the side hustle on the IT, and I was speaking of the 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 job with them. Well, fortunately, everything worked out. They paid us for six months to train our things. I had not even spoken to my wife, who uh, kind of go there uh, uh, now, kind of take you down that that trail. In the meantime of all of this, um, I had wound up. Um, meeting my ex-girlfriend from high school one night at a football game and yada 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 kind of a very messy relationship she winds up pregnant uh i distinctly remember getting um you know getting married and telling my buddy my best friend one of the guys i lived with i said man i know i shouldn't do this but i just i just love my son and that alone that uh connection i had with my son was strictly because I think my dad wasn't there for me. And, you know, I guess you have either you repeat or you totally break the cycle. And I knew then I didn't want to be like that. Well, I had a bad relationship. That was really a failed marriage on every account. My son, who uh, he had a heart problem and, you know, just a lot of things, a lot, a lot of challenges right there. A lot of areas that I was just so overwhelmed for, for many years, really. Well, get through with all that and uh, really have a, a, a very unworking relationship with my now ex-wife. I dated girls, and I just I thought I was never going to get married. I didn't want to be married and all that, and then I met my current wife. And um, uh, just I was so, like, ready for someone who I could, you know, really, um, you know, a good person, a good woman, you know, all the things that young men think they want in a woman really had fallen away from me. And I'm probably in my late 
20s, mid to late 20s. And we wound up, uh, we go, and uh, first date, I met her at the Alberta Sausage Festival out in Alberta. And um, then we wound up going on, really, I guess what was our first date was uh, we went and saw Jerry Clower at... Uh, at the Grand Hotel, and that was that was really pretty cool when I look back on it. And uh, so, anyway, it's not long. Uh, we get married, and really have had a great marriage. You know, all these twenty six years, I guess it's been. And um, but through that, we had um, some challenges early on with the relationship between my ex wife and my and my uh, you know my current wife, just with the with my son. And it was just crazy how uh, my wife really um, hung in there, and it was tough, man. It was really tough. And um, but she did, and ultimately, you know, won over my son. Who you can see how you know children will, you know, they'll be mean to somebody, and on two levels because my son and I had a very, very, very close relationship because for years he'd live with me a week and his mother a week when I was, you know, single, I guess. And uh, I was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I was one guy when I had my son, and I was another guy when he was with his mom. And so he probably resented the fact that now all of a sudden he doesn't have all the access he once had to me and all those things, plus the weight of that. And so my wife really was just extremely, uh, I know that was painful and hard, but she really did a great job in, uh, in doing that. So I hope that encourages people that are in that in that kind of game. And one of the things that I learned from that is that kids are adults a lot longer than their kids. I think it's really important to be there with them um, you know, when they're young, for sure, but they're going to be an adult and you don't want to mess up that relationship early on with a lot of dumb stuff that, uh, and fortunately by the grace of God, really, I didn't. And my son and I had a great relationship. So we rock on, I wind up having, uh, my first daughter, um, and then had a, another daughter about two and a half years later and we got a little family my son is now living with us and you know things are really going great and um you know working hard in in this business working probably really too hard i think that's another thing is that my focus was so much on business definitely life work balance out of place my my wife would see me struggling and you know i didn't really you know i didn't have formal training I was ultimately just failing my way to success. So we rock on. Uh, I'll bring you all the way up to, uh, you know, we grew, man, that first year. I'll never forget, man, we did like, from, we started in April, and uh, we we had done over $600,000 in the first uh, what is that? Nine or uh, eight months. So the business just grew and it would double. So I'd done a ton of tech work. And when I wasn't tech working, I was meeting clients, calling clients. I literally had the phone book open and I would just simply call people and say, Hey, this is what we do. I'd love to come see you. Boom, boom, boom. And our, our, you know, the word of mouth was very powerful because we had such a different mindset than any other, you know, break fix computer company in the, in the area. Um, so that rocked on and, you know, learned a lot about business, really the hard way, just really just gutting it out, grinding out. Learned a lot about technology, actually, because um, I was doing a lot of the work. And by, you know, by definition or by really what I've, you know, like the test I've later taken, I'm really more of a visionary and the details are not my forte. So I've learned a lot 
I've learned a lot of ways to force myself or be disciplined to be more detailed in order to, you know, be able to have those predictable outcomes, you know, that processes will bring, um, you know, things like that. Um, you know, that, that went on for really a long time, about 18 or 19 years, and my partner and I really were growing apart. Um, if you look at this industry, there is, um, you know, he's, he was a tech, heavy tech, uh, and good tech, you know, he knew his stuff. And the problem with that is, is that most techs don't um, really, they're not very excited about running a business. And, you know, like statistically, like we're called a managed service provider. And one of the things that, um, that you, you, know, you find out from the stats is that tech-run managed service providers, MSPs, only 5% of them break a million dollars in annual revenue. Well, at this time, we're over $3 million. We've got different divisions. I started an office equipment company. I'm doing real estate stuff. I own you know, uh, commercial property. Some of that we own together. Um, we owned an office equipment company. We had a marketing company. Uh, wound up getting involved in some apartment complexes. So really, I'm enterprising and branching out from this. And... Um, my partner is, I'm, I'm joined uh, IT Nation, a big group where they really hold you accountable as a peer. I get in there and kind of the beginning of the end was when we went to, I started going to IT Nation and they were pressuring me because they're like, look, if you've got a 50% partner, he's got to be here. So started getting him there, and you know, good guy had the best intentions, I think, but just stretched thin. You know that tech mindset. We're running a big operation. You know, didn't want to you know really set standards, hold people accountable, set things so that we could scale. And um, you know, so about three three and a half years ago, ultimately, uh, we parted ways. It was right uh, during COVID, and he was ready to get out, and you know, I bought him. And, uh, you know, since that point, I tell you, I'm really, uh, really thankful for the team that I've got. They've done so well for me. Um, and, you know, we're, we have, I think, six or seven less staff. We're doing $800,000 more in top line revenue. We've really cleaned things up. We're, we're you know, never going to arrive. We all know that there's always going to be a challenge, uh, but really, you know, doing well. Well, you know, life's good. I'm starting to actually understand work-life balance about that time. And, um, you know, uh, getting to where I'm, you know, delegate and elevate. I set an actual annual theme and uh, every year. And one of my themes I'll never forget about this time was delegate, elevate, and automate, where I was learning to, you know, delegate and I was learning to elevate people and to, you know, try to get some some depth and some, you know, some, um, you know, some backup hitters, if you will, throughout the company. Well, things are going really well. My son, he, uh, he, he worked for me for a while. We, we really butted heads. I had him in a really hard position. Um, he wasn't ready for it. And, uh, you know, he did in one regard really well, but, uh, he and I, we just wound up, we were always talking about business. We're so wired the same. It's just crazy. And, uh, he winds up quitting me and it, it literally broke my heart. And, uh, one of the things that, that hurt was the, 
the thing, you know, was the fact that, you know, we're so much alike and, you know, I wanted him there with me so much. But one thing that I really respect him from is that he didn't like how other people treated him because he felt, you know, basically it was nepotism. He had the job because of who I was. And, and in, I guess, a lot of ways it was. He starts his own paint company, really rocks it. I mean, he's just blowing it out of the water and, um, you know, crazy times and uh you know i'm excited we're talking we talk three times a day he's you know, he's doing so well and uh, winds up getting married has two beautiful um babies two grandchildren and then on august 31st i'll never forget uh it's all during covid uh about 8 15 i get a call and it's 8 15 at night and I'm at home and it's from my daughter-in-law and she calls me and she says, um, please come hurry. Chase is, uh, has, you basically just fell over. He just slumped over and the, you know, the paramedics are here. They're working on him. Well, I race. I live literally about probably eight or nine minutes away. I was there in less than six minutes. I'm there and they won't let me back. The paramedics are working on him. And ultimately, Chase, he passes away that night. And the thing that really sucks about it is that he was so concerned about his girls. He got a lot of my concern for, you know, as far as, you know, what a man really should be as, a, you know, a protector and a provider, you know, prophet, a priest, you know, and he was looking out for those girls, and I know how much he loved them. And he wound up taking that COVID shot. And literally four days later, he has this heart spasm on his aortic valve, and, and he just drops dead. And took me to a place that I've never been as far as just ultimate pain and just, it was just horrible. I mean, it was uh, one of the worst um, things that um, I've ever been through. And, you know, I had so many things that I thought about, what I would encourage guys to do, people to do that have kids is, you know, we all think we're going to die before them. And we spend a lot of effort and a lot of time uh, focusing on trying to build them up so that they don't need you. That was my thing. I'm like, look, I want to get all you all you kids up. I want you guys to have something that you're passionate about. I want you to be rocking in that. I want you to be really hitting in that. And then when I pass, I'm going to leave you a bunch of stuff. And you're going to have a, you know, really be able to create what I call perpetual wealth. That's like one of my goals for, for my family. You know, we, we grew up, we really didn't have anything and I wanted to do that for them. Still do, still working hard for that. Um, anyway, so my son passes and what I, what I would say to people is to, at some level, work through um, understanding that you could lose them and have yourself somewhat prepared for that. I'm not saying be morbid or anything like that, but I'm just saying that is a, a possibility, and I had never even considered that possibility. And when it happened, I not only lost a son, but I lost literally my best friend. And it was so challenging and so painful, and even after you know, almost two years, it's still can be very painful. So think through those things. The great thing is, is that I don't have a ton of coulda, shoulda, wouldas. I would encourage you to, because we were so close, that we discussed absolutely everything. And, um, you know, 
that was one of the, the things that I think hurt me and scared me the most was the fact that I knew that I would never have a relationship like that again. Uh, well, you know, that was, uh, that was hard, still hard, I guess. And, uh, you know, I'm learning. And I want, I want to go into some things that I learned from that because that's really one of the things that I want to be able to give to other people. But lo and behold, really, before my son passed and everything, I found out that I had another son that I had no idea anything about. And what's crazy is that um, you know, I met him, and, man, I love him, and he's so much like me and Chase. It's crazy how DNA is. He is such a hardworking guy, and I've developed a relationship with him. And, uh, you know, we're, we're pretty close. We talk, you know, uh, a lot. And uh, he's such a uh, entrepreneur, and, I mean, he's going to really leave his mark uh, on, on this world. And, you know, I, I appreciate so much that I was able to find him. Found him through DNA. Uh, it's a long story. I don't really go into all that, but my sister had taken a DNA, and he was looking for who his dad was. And um, that meant a lot to him. And my sister took a DNA and wound up pairing us up. And so uh, because she took it, it you know, it kind of pointed that either, you know, my brother or I was his dad. And, of course, I knew once we put it all together, but I had no clue, no clue. So surprise, new son shows up, which is, is encouraging, and I'm thankful for that beyond measure. Um, so... Anyway, I want to talk about just things that I, I think are very important about, you know, knowing, you know, like where where you come from. I have a, you know, a Christian belief system, and I believe that there is a heaven and there is a God in heaven, and all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Well, that's very challenging whenever you feel like the God who controls all things takes away your prize, right? Your your best relationship on the planet or whatever, one that you'll never replace no matter what because of just, you know, time and space and events and all those things. So I felt for a long time that, you know, God basically smited me, took something from me. So that was a big challenge to kind of get over. But, you know, you need to know where your kid's going to go eternally. You need to have that conversation so you can find that peace. Um, that's one thing I really uh, highly recommend, having that conversation so that if that does happen, you know, at the end of the day, you can have some assurance based on your own belief system. Again, I'm not pushing a belief system. That's mine. Um uh, you know, and, and so I knew those things. I knew what he wanted when he was, uh, you know, what he wanted for his kids. I knew what he wanted for, you know, so many areas of his life. I knew who he was when it was time for preparation for his uh, for his funeral. I, it was so easy for me to do, to make all those decisions because I knew him, because we were so close, because we spoke about everything from A to Z. So I don't have really almost no regrets for the relationship and the communication. And I would just highly, highly, highly recommend that you take the time to get to know, you know, your kids. And I'll tell you, one of my pet peeves right now is that I just see, I don't understand it almost. I see so many people that have kids, man, and they don't, 
care about them. They don't take care of them. I see, you know, women nowadays with these young kids and the dads aren't around and, you know, cause they don't want to pay child support, man. I'll, if, if I'd pay their child support, uh, if it, you know, if it would, uh, get their relationship better. I mean, over a few dollars, people lose the most valuable things. And I would just, you know, again, I'm not, I don't want to be judgmental or anything, but I just want you to understand what a loss you're taking, man. That's such a valuable asset, and don't and you need to treat it that way. Well, now there's some other really great things that have happened, um, you know, and it took literally a year for me to, you know, usually, you know, I, I try to find the good in something. I know that, you know, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So I'm looking for good that could come out of this, and I don't see it, man. All I'm seeing is bad for a long time, uh, for over a year. And um, about Christmas this last year, I started seeing that, you know what, I, I I had such a great relationship with my son that it's not that I neglected my other relationships with my kids or my wife, but they definitely weren't to that level. And, you know, by definition, love is putting someone ahead of yourself. And so I really started to see, you know, what's it mean to love your wife? What does it mean to love these girls that God has given me, this son that God has given me? So I really started working on that. And, you know, it was a tough time for my wife and I for several reasons. Uh, But one of the biggest ones is that I was not talking to her as much as I should about things. Because how do you tell your wife that you feel lonely? Yeah, that's a crazy thought, man. But go tell your wife you're lonely, bro. That's gonna be a that's gonna be a tough conversation. And you know, we kind of realized, and she we kind of realized at the same time. She recognized that ultimately she knew that Chase was kind of my person, and um, you know that she was always gonna be. You know, I don't want to say second, but not. I don't know how to put that, but basically that that she knew that mine and Chase's relationship, how special that really was. And the beautiful thing on her account was that she she didn't hold that against me or him. She didn't resent that. She really accepted it. And that just, again, speaks to what a, a great wife I have. So anyway, so we're working through some things, and I tell you, man, you need to really focus on your relationship with your wife. You need to, you know, get down to uh, being able to be honest with them and and really relate and communicate. And our relationship has never, ever, ever been better. And you know, I feel like I really have. Uh, we've come a long ways. In the same way with my girls and with with Chad, you know, uh, you know, I really I take time to have meaningful conversations to let them know how much I care for them. I want them to basically I ask the question, how could I love you more? You know, what could I do? What what do you need? You know, things that are, and I'm not talking about necessarily, you know, monetary or, or physical things, but more about things that, uh, that are emotionally where you have that emotional connection so that no matter how dark it gets or how bad the storm is, at the end of the day, I can go home and close my door at my house and I'm, I'm self-sufficient right there from an emotional standpoint. And that's some things that I think that I wish I would have known. I wish I wouldn't have had to lose the sun to know that, uh, that, you know, it didn't have to be as, you know, as, uh, you know, I could have had that all along, if you will. 
So, you know, those are some things that I, I wanted to share. I hope that wasn't, you know, too heavy or whatever, but it, it really makes me who I am. And, and you know, those are big challenges that, I, you know, I just wasn't ready for at all. And, you know, for now, you know, my focus really is, is, um, you know, I'm, you know, not getting younger for sure and really trying to figure out how, you know, I can make my kids more successful. And at the end of the day, you know, I'm pretty much, you know, if I had more money, I wouldn't change my lifestyle. So at the end of the day, I'm pretty much working for uh, for my kids. And uh, yeah, I'm working on my physical health for Chase because Chase was on me. I was getting fatter and fatter. And, you know, so I lost about 50 pounds. And it's so much easier. And I really think it's uh, it's it's when you focus on yourself, you can really get down and out. But when you focus on others, I think that's living. And, you know, so I'm trying to help my, my daughters. I built a wedding venue. One of my daughters is very gifted in, in that. She's managing that. It's doing ex- extremely well. My other daughter wants to be a builder. And, you know, I've built houses and done things. And, you know, we're doing – she's actually designing a duplex right now that, that we're going to build together. And she's actually – she's taking, like, CAD, AutoCAD classes and building courses. She wants to be a, a, a design-build person. And uh, really exciting to see that. So uh, that – and, of course, growing this business. And I want to say that, you know, we've had, like, for my team, man, uh, I was out building that wedding venue because it was a kind of a personal thing. It was kind of a healing thing for me after my son because we um we talked about you know this property and we were going to develop it together we'll live out there this and that you know and just all the things that we went through and literally I worked so hard and my daughter actually you know we built that wedding venue out there and it was because my daughter was wanting to be married on the same day five years uh up apart as my son so you know the crew that I had working out there man we worked the last 21 days straight we're putting countertops in before the the day before the wedding I mean it was so crazy how that thing came together and of course my daughter got married there and she's got a great husband and and she's doing a great job running there and so um yeah I'm in a much better spot I want to say about my team is that while I was doing that, I literally was coming in. I was very focused on what I was trying to accomplish, but I was certainly trying to accomplish it through others. And we had our best year uh, profit, and I wasn't even really here all the time. So that's kind of says a lot of times where if you set the standard and you hold people accountable, you'll you'll probably do better than staying, you know, where you think you got to do it all. So I learned a lot through that. I, that could be an encouragement, I think, for business owners is to, you can't totally let go of the vine. You know, people talk about that all the time without having a good team in place, without having what I call, you know, clarity. You know, clarity ultimately is a, um, a pre prerequisite for success. So you've got to have clarity. You've got to express that clarity with other people and all those things. But, you know, those are things that I think are, um, that have really, you know, been, you know, great and a blessing for me is that my team has gotten, you know, much stronger and I'm able to, you know, focus. It's one of my big things is I want to focus on, you know, growing up people for, you know, in technology, I think it's the best industry ever. Uh, You know, we've been through, so many things back the BP oil spill, the uh, you know COVID, the uh, housing crisis, just 
all these things, the, you know, the kind of the recession that we're, you know, in now with inflation and all, and this industry has been so rock solid. And as it relates to cybersecurity, there's such a shortage for people who get it that, um, you know, there's just such an opportunity still ahead, and you know, I want to forge those those great relationships with the people I work with, and uh, really you know, hope to enhance some of these young younger people's careers, and you know, be somebody that can be um, you know a big plus in their life as far as helping them shape what they're ultimately you know wanting to do. Because, like I say, there's. I don't think there's another industry out there that has as much opportunity as technology and cybersecurity. So really wrapping it up, uh, yeah, that's maybe more than some people want to hear. I don't know how this is going to, how this is really going to play out, but I thought it was important to, for people to understand that I'm not a, I'm a real guy and have real challenges and uh, certainly do not have it figured out, man. And I don't think we ever have it figured out. As soon as we think we have it figured out, I hope like maybe two seconds before I die, say Eureka or something. But I hope before then, I never think that uh, I'm on the top of my game in anything because life will, will show you. And ultimately, for us to look at life as being extremely valuable, look at people, especially our family and our kids, man. Value them. They're your greatest asset. They are ultimately your legacy. And, you know, don't um, don't neglect them. You know, do the right thing, man, and it will pay off in spades. Uh, and I, I just know that, man. I've, I've experienced it. I've seen it. And the more I invest in that area, the happier I am and the more successful I feel, if you will. So I just want to really encourage people in those areas and work hard, man. And it's really more about, uh, I think, the key to what level of success I've achieved has really not been because I'm that sharp. It's been because I'm tenacious. Uh, I'm very systematic because of my nature, you know, I'll chase a shiny object, uh, you know, so I have to be systematic. Get it on your calendar, follow through, be consistent. Occasionally, you're going to have to work with intensity. That's cool, but really that consistent, what I call moving the ball, is the most crucial things that we want to work on is, you know, to, to, uh, to, work on that in a consistent manner. If you guys have questions or if you experience some things that I might be, you know, able to help you work through, I'd really, you know, nothing would honor, you know, my son and my life and, and what I've tried to accomplish than, than helping others. That's where I think our real, um, value is going to come from and at the end of the day where when we sit back and we think about what we got done it's going to be really the people that you got it done with so i'm always here to help i appreciate you guys listening it's time to go inside phillips head thoughts of the month for the thought of the month, I want to talk about really trust. And I think, you know, of course, we know that trust is the basis by which all relationships are formed. I love Patrick Lencioni. I think he does a great work in uh, defining that from a business perspective, but that could be parlayed into relationships with people in a book that he wrote called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And of course, all relationships 
uh, start with trust, and that's the foundation. And then from there, if you don't have trust, there's going to be a fear of conflict. And if you move up, there'll be a lack of commitment to to the cause or the uh, the the you know what the goal or what you're going after the purpose and really for any relationship or really life to have a uh, a good life I think you've got to have a, a purpose if you're going to have a good business you've got to have a purpose what problem do you solve what drives you and then after lack of commitment comes avoidance of accountability where ultimately people aren't accountable because there's no commitment to the game because people are scared to speak up because no one trusts each other and in the final stage ultimately what you have is that the um there's an inattention to results there's not a focus on results there's not a focus on outcomes so with that being said i you know again how do you form relationships with people that you trust well i think that in order to do that you've really got to be the leader and you've got to put yourself out there and be um, be brave, right? And as we know, the you know kind of the other side of bravery is vulnerability. You've got to express and you know desire, express the desire of the relationship. What are you looking for in that relationship? You need to kind of you know set the roadmap or the parameters and define what you're looking at. And here's the beautiful thing that I think whenever you put yourself out there, you become vulnerable, you show that bravery. A lot of people are scared, of course, you know, somebody could hurt me or, or something like that. But I think if you do the work beforehand and you define, you understand what you want that relationship to look like, um, and then you go for it, and then it doesn't turn out the way you want, really what you've done is fast-tracked the um, ability to know that that relationship was never going to go anywhere. And I think people do that all the time because they're afraid of, um, of conflict. They're afraid of really being vulnerable and expressing that. Now, you know, having said all that, we have to understand too that, you know, some people are just going to gel and, you know, there's, you know, that's chemistry or whatever you want to call it. And you have to recognize that who you have chemistry with. That's maybe one of the first things that could be an indicator as to whether you need to, you know, really open up to that person and say, hey, man, you know, I like you, or I see this that we have in common, or, you know, I'd like to, you know, expand upon, you know, who we are, you know, together. And that's a little touchy-feely, I guess, maybe, uh, especially as it relates to men, but I think that life will be so much better. I would much rather have five great friends than a hundred, you know, decent people that I know, you know what I'm saying? And uh, one of the things based on the uh, life events that I've experienced, you know, um, I'd rather somebody hate me for who I really am than love me for who I'm portraying to them who I am. Hope this is helpful.